0: Theo Epstein has joined us here in Arizona, and it's a beautiful morning, and Theo, thank you for taking time for us. Know how busy you are. How are you today? Great. How are you? We're doing very well. What is the vibe like for you, because you've got David Ross, and he has certainly put his imprint on this camp. Yeah, it's been a great vibe
1: around camp. Very uh, workmanlike, locked in, you know, attention to detail. Um, Everyone knows why they're here and getting their work in, and feel like we have something to prove and from our standpoint it's been it's been good it's been D- david is so engaged in how he wants to run his clubhouse what he wants to feel to be all the relationships down there uh we've been very hands-off probably the least we've been down there involved in a long time because he's just so conscious um and intentional about what he's trying to create and we him space
0: to do that so yesterday the report came out from the AP on the Chris Bryant grievance and said there was absolutely nothing nefarious, and they went back through your history and said Theo had never promoted a guy in September, had a rookie-make opening day, believes in player development. Like, everything was totally positive about the Chicago Cubs. So my question is, why did it take so long? Well, you know me. I have a history of not being
1: nefarious. That's what I'm I'm known for. So, no, I don't. (laughs) You know, it was just, as I said before, it was just – it was. yeah it wasn't our grievance and i completely respect chris's position i i, I want players to stand up for themselves if, if they feel there or if there's the appearance that they're um you know that there's unfairness and in this case it was worth exploring and, and they did and it had ramifications for the industry as a whole but i'm proud of the fact that as they dug into our actions and the way we make our decisions and our track record that uh they decided that you know we do everything for baseball reasons and and we were also transparent you know we didn't try to say yeah service time never has anything to do with a decision it does it's a service time based salary structure so we wouldn't be doing our jobs if we weren't aware of service time just like we have to be aware of whether a player has options remaining or not options remaining so we can make a good decision that's the same thing with service
0: time It's just one of many factors in player development and baseball reasons come first so as you look at the last two off seasons has this been the most challenging two off seasons of your career because when you got here i mean let's just be honest this thing was broken and it needed to be not rebuilt it needed to be built what type of challenge was that to the last two off seasons that you had to deal with
1: yeah no i don't think these have been the two most challenging i mean been through the whole cycle a number of times in in Boston um, dealing with a lot of things there and yeah it was hard here you know with the way the CBA changed and kind of cut off the obvious supplies for young talent so we had to be really creative and this is just about you know especially when you're you're in a position where you're you know, it's not lined up where you can be really transactional. It's just about trying to get the most out of the talent that you have. And I feel like we've underperformed and we haven't done that. So um, make some changes behind the scenes to try to put us in a position to get more out of what we have. And then, you know, this winter, our, I think our honestly, our number one concern was we had to build a bullpen without spending any money. Right. And early returns on that are really, really positive. I'm, it's, you know, knock on wood because I can change in a hurry. But I'm really excited about the way a number of these guys are thrown in
0: camp and how that's looking, so we'll see. A lot of guys have talked about the pitch lab and all the money and research R&D that you've put into that. What is the next great frontier? Because if I could rewind the hands of time to 1992, I'll pick an arbitrary year, analytics. Oh, man, if you had the analytic knowledge that you use today back then, it would be like shooting fish in a barrel. Then we now are seeing pitch labs. What's the next one? Is it medical science? Yeah. Is it virtual reality? Yeah, it's
1: the intersection of, of uh, data and technology with uh, player health and strength and conditioning. So Right now, players are training in a much different way with um, better technology and, and, and driven by the right kind of data to train for certain outcomes, train for certain movements that produce certain outcomes and that that will also, um, in the long run, they'll train with better information about exactly how to stay healthy. That, that you know, You're just scratching the surface with, with that. But right now, the, the training to get your body to move a certain way, understanding your body more and better and, and, and training it to move a certain way, understanding
0: that those movements produce certain outcomes is, is really the next frontier. July will be challenging because of the competitive balance tax, You don't know what the new CBA is going to be in a couple of years. So how do you navigate this July? Is there a number where you say, well, if we're within four games or four games up, I'm adding on. And if I'm more games out, I'm moving. How do you navigate that?
1: We'll see. You know, usually it speaks to you. You know, your situation kind of determines itself. And and hopefully we're, you know, playing so well that it's obvious. But... uh, you know, if it's if it's in the middle ground, we just have to be smart about it. I mean, in the past, we've you know, last year, we we added despite the fact that you know there were there were some some flaws, and we obviously weren't a perfect team. We weren't a powerhouse. We added, and we ended up getting probably the best single deadline acquisition in baseball. It's maybe two of the last three years, it's been the case, and that hasn't pushed us over the top per se, so it's not a binary thing necessarily where you're either giving up or you're going for it, they're, they're shades of grey and, and this July will certainly be balancing a lot of factors and short term ones and long term ones, so you know, just
0: look at it as if it creates opportunity, You know, if you look at it as a problem you're probably going to paralyze yourself. How do you remove emotion if you're sitting, because if you go back to 2004, I was here in Chicago, you were in Boston, and I remember that day on that Saturday afternoon where I was waiting on a trade deadline, and the Cubs get Nomar Para and I'm reading from the Boston Papers, we just traded the greatest Red Sox in the history of the franchise, and we got who? Orlando Cabrera. And you knew we're going to be better defensively, and I think this team can make a run. And you ended 86 years of madness. How do you remove emotion in July if it's close? uh you know you just tr- try to train yourself to do
1: it over the years to begin with and then try to set up a structure of people around you that you know are going to present different perspectives you know some if you have someone who's uh, you know if you're talking to the someone in uniform they're going to have more emotion involved they're down there in the dugout they're going to have a shorter term view if you're talking to somebody who's in the analytics department they will probably be more objective and um, maybe overly so at times, not understanding what's going on in the clubhouse, and they'll have more of a longer-term view. And, and you try to balance those things. But there, there are certain things you can do to protect yourself. I try not to go on the road with the team, you know, at all in the weeks leading up to the trade deadline. Not to, not to get wrapped up too much in some of the you know short-term, uh, visceral reactions to what's going on in a given game like just because you blow you blow a couple games in the seventh inning doesn't doesn't mean you know you need at all costs take to the bigger picture your best up. prospect for for you know a setup guy yeah you have to look at the big picture and understand that there's going to be some arbitrariness and some randomness that can influence your emotions but don't necessarily change the dynamic of what's right for the team short and long term
0: so I was watching I watched a couple movies on the way out here and I watched some of Moneyball. it's on my computer i just love that movie and i'm watching it and i wanted to i knew we were gonna to get to talk to you do you ever have a time where you don't watch your team play uh yeah i mean these days you always circle back i mean i
1: have times when i miss games if you know if you're out scouting a college tournament or a high school game or something or on a minor league trip you know you might miss a game or something you
0: know Really important. But it's not a conscious thing. I'm not paying attention to my no. – I'll, f- I'll know the numbers. I'm not watching it. No. I've walked out, but I've never, <laughs> <laughs> I've never intentionally missed. Have you had days where you go, I'm out, that's it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, Are you I mean, emotional to does. watch a game with? Um, I think within the course of
1: a game, yeah, we are. Because, you know, you, you, anytime you don't con- – control something you know when you surrender control sometimes you know you 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 get more emotions involved because you're just reduced to watching things play out it's not something that you're used to in your life every day so yeah i think you want i mean if you lose the emotion that probably means you're not as invested as you need to be not as passionate as you need to be now you need to separate that and have little triggers that can help you see the game from 10,000 feet and see trends and see the big picture. If you try to make decisions based on emotion, you're going to be ping-ponging back and forth and make a mess of things.
0: Talking to Theo Epstein, the president of the Chicago Cubs, Christian Yelich is going to get an eight-year commitment out of the Milwaukee Brewers, but it is what people believe to be below market for a guy who was MVP in 18, runner-up in 19. Does that do you think, have a bounce-back effect to Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, whoever? Yeah, you
1: know, I'm not going to talk about our our talks with our guys, either past, present, or future, other than to say it's obviously been in our best interest to try to sign these guys, and we have tried, and we have not been able to do so, with the exception of uh, Kyle Hendricks and, I guess, Anthony Rizzo and Starling Castro. But, um that's that's all I'll say about it. You know, it's and 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 players don't have an obligation to sign. Correct. They, they want to do. They should do what's best for them, and uh, I get that. It's unfortunate we haven't been able to sign our guys. Are you surprised Yelich got the deal he got? Uh, not really. I haven't taken a close, really close look at it yet. But no, I think uh, you know it's a lot of money, and and he's on a good deal for the next three years anyway. So. You know, for a player, it could make sense to once you get past a certain amount. You know, certain guys look at it like, "Hey, that's that's (laughs) unbelievable security." And to do it early, there's a premium there. And for the team, they're taking a little risk. You know, with ages that a long contract goes out to, but you know, by
0: definition, if it got done, it made made great sense for both sides. In terms of international signings, when you first got here, you guys were able to sign Glaber Torres, who's turned out to be a phenomenal player, and. He's one of the key reasons why you won the World Series, because mm-hmm. you were able to move him for Chapman. You got Aloy Jimenez. Do you feel like you have not put as much money into international signings, or it's flown more under the radar because the big league team was better?
1: No, we've maxed out every single year. That's an area where the collective bargaining agreement mm-hmm. uh, clamped down. So we ran through the loophole the last year that was just basically allowed uh for you to exceed the tax and pay a reasonable penalty we intentionally decide we're the only team that that really did this we said let's just go all out we'll uh you know we'll sit in the penalty box for a couple years but we can sign uh some players that we thought were going to be elite guys that we can and we actually even said odds are we end up Trading these guys to supplement the core that we have to bring in pitching because we have a good position player group and we have Javi Baez and Addison Russell ahead of Gliber Torres and Gleyber is was you know signed at 16 years old and we've got Soler and Kyle Schwarber ahead of Eloy Jimenez. When you sign Eloy at 16, the odds are we're going to end up trading these guys for pitching and and supplement this core and try to keep this thing going and and get to a point where we can win a World Series. And it turns out it wasn't set in stone, but we ended up. Trading both of those guys was part of you know a big strategy to double the more than double the limits at that time. Pay the penalty. You know we we needed to be right on those guys, and we and we were. You know we ended up signing the two best guys from that class and using them in trades. And um, you know uh, you don't have those players anymore, and that stinks. Obviously, our long-term outlook would be better if we had those guys. But on the other hand, we really stabilized our pitching staff with one of the deals and won a world series with the other deal so but the international signings we've maxed out every year i think it's it's been a very successful part of our operation i mean if you just look at this um you know camp so far braylon marquez is is, uh getting ready his stuff is as good as anyone we have in our entire organization (laughs) you know you darvish included um uh, Luis Verdugo, we signed from Mexico was out there the other day nineteen year old kid who can absolutely rake and showing good stuff in, in his limited time in big league camp and um, no up and down the system we have you know a ton of promising middle infielders at the lower level, so I think uh, I think we do a really good job internationally
0: in terms of the other day with Bryant and Rizzo, Chris came out yesterday said that might other than winning the World Series might have been the most fun I've ever had in a baseball game being mic'd up, and Riz was on. He said, okay, I don't know what he's going to throw, so somebody bang for me. And we hear remarks from players all around the sport. Trevor Bauer took them on the other day and said, I'm throwing a fastball, and I'm throwing a curveball, because he said, you don't need to cheat. I'll tell you what I'm throwing to you. We're going to see this throughout. How do you, as the president of baseball operations, like Jeff Luna lost his job, and he said, I didn't know what was going on. Whether he did or didn't is a different story. How do you... Theo Epstein up in his box on the road. You're not in the dugout. How do you protect that your reputation doesn't get slammed by players cheating? Uh, well, you're responsible um,
1: as a leader for everything that goes on in the organization, so you have to take appropriate steps. We're going to have a compliance meeting towards the end of spring training to make sure everybody knows the rules. As part of my opening speech every year that uh, we need – we're going to win but we're going to win with integrity and this year we had a really good example to point to about what Mm -hmm. happens when you win without integrity it's not worth anything Mm -hmm. you can't be proud of it and uh you know and it's about relationships and staying engaged and making sure you have the right people with the right moral compasses involved and that and that you're on top of everything that's going on and that and that you try to set an example i think you know culture is a word that gets thrown thrown around a lot but Really, you know, you look to the leaders in the organization, including the manager and, and and your most important players and and general manager or president's ownership. How they conduct themselves sets uh, establishes a set of expectations for people. And if you're willing to look the other way on rules or you're willing to cheat to get ahead, then everyone's going to do that. And if if you know you place a premium on integrity and fairness and and still you know competing with everything that you have but understanding that you know there's a bigger picture involved and i think that tends to permeate the whole organization
0: talking with theo epstein who's the president of baseball operations the coronavirus is all over the place in the news and you have a trip coming up to england you also have i believe correct me if i'm wrong two players that are not in camp because they're from italy where the virus has struck how do you handle it organizationally and what is your thoughts about england Yeah.
1: You know, we're following MLB's lead They're They're on top of it from an industry standpoint. Um, We're going to have a briefing with our players at some point over the next few days. And and we have an internal task force with representatives from baseball ops and the business side and, um, you know, government relations. It's, you know, just preparing, preparing for what we hope will never be, you know, a series of worst case scenarios. And it probably won't be, but you have to be prepared and make sure and, um I think you just uh, you talk to the experts. You use transparency, and um, you know you stay diligent and keep an open mind, knowing that it it, uh, it it's unpredictable. Even experts are saying to prepare for uh, a wide spectrum of possible outcomes. So we need to make sure we're prepared
0: for all of them and transparent with our players and our fans about it. You, in terms of you mentioned the medical science, and it seems like you have spent a lot of time and money overhauling strength and conditioning medical science within your own organization you're not a doctor how do you structure that do you go to outside people and go give me guidance how do you structure it so you make the right decisions yeah i think you looked at best
1: practices both within your industry and then outside too there you know different sports are ahead in different areas soccer um I would say is well behind baseball when it comes to analytics, but is, was well ahead of baseball uh, in terms of uh, scientific uh, strength and conditioning. And you know, they have players who are constantly in motion, so they've been studying. Um, you know, they've been able to have like GPS chips in their training vest for for almost a decade now, I've been able to study. Uh, injury prevention that way, and, and, and so they've got more robust strength and conditioning departments than and sports medicine departments, uh, high-performance departments than we have. So studying some of the best practices in the world and trying to apply it to baseball.
0: How about in terms of sleep? Do you guys do anything with a sleep coach? Because that's another thing. you got young players, make a lot of money, they play hard. They also want to have a life off the field, and sometimes rest gets compromised yeah we did we've done sleep studies
1: over the years and including in spring training and the results are a little bit alarming and actually the number one thing it's not not going out and you know 20 years ago you worried about guys kind of running the streets chasing and and everything these days (laughs) smartphones think things are a little more efficient sometimes but it's it's video games you know guys stay up late playing video games and they're addictive and Get to sleep at four in the morning because you're up all night playing video games is really really bad for your ability to have you know world class
0: uh, rest
1: hand eye coordination and reaction time the next day without you know full complement of rest. So yeah, it's use use the sleep study as an educational tool and try to try to give uh, establish good habits for the guys to maintain.
0: Back to your team on the field, do you feel like? Look, we underachieved in 18, 19, and I've got a group of whoever the 26 guys are that break that are pissed off, and they have something to prove. Or is that overstated? I think,
1: yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said there's not some of that feel going around. Now, spring training, there's no real results, so you tend to fill that void with the narrative of the day, right? And mm-hmm. it, it seems real because there's nothing else to judge it against. Then you get in the real competition against other teams and your other flaws are exposed. You have other small triumphs and a new narrative takes hold. So uh, tend to put more stock in what plays out on the field than, than how things are, are feeling or what are um, you know, the emotions and inspiration running around camp. But we're human beings and that's certainly real. I do think you know, after 18, the way the season ended was was pretty embarrassing. But there were there were those 95 wins to fall back on, mm-hmm. and I've heard that I heard that from a number of players. Yeah, but yeah, but we won 95 games, and that's natural. Um, so it's hard to change sometimes. Hard to adopt a completely new mindset. But there's no escaping. You know, having a two and a half three game lead in September, losing nine straight games, and then only you know falling well short only winning 84 games and um there's no get finishing third place there's no getting around from that so i think that uh i believe i believe that that's bottoming out and and um that there's clear inspiration for the players to reestablish themselves and define what the post world series
0: part of their cubs career is all about darvish looks to be as comfortable as we've ever seen him he has fun on social media uh he's hitting 98 the other day, and just looks like he's in since last July in a great place. That the contract actually, if he continues to pitch like he did the second half, actually looks like a bargain contract when the first year everyone was critical of it. Where are you on you, Darvish, and what you expect this year? Yeah, I'm really excited about what he can do. I
1: mean, this is a special cat with a baseball in his hand, and... and um you know that talent's always been there but uh you know he's he's a, he's a he's a human being and so there are other things that have to line up you know obviously he's got to be physically healthy he's got to feel good about himself he's got to use his stuff the right way he's got to be comfortable and he's got to be confident and he went through uh all the credit to him and an incredible transformation mid-season last year where i think it started on the mental side where he had to uh, sort of, you know Look in the mirror a little bit, decide what he wanted to do. He got back in the weight room, which helped him physically and mentally, uh, feel good about himself. Made some adjustments um, with uh, you know certain pitches and then the way he was using certain pitches, and became a, a really confident, comfortable individual out there. Was, you know he's got this you know world class ability, top five pitcher in the world with what he can do with a baseball, and you saw those results in the second half. And to his credit, you know he did it all without um really having a dominant fastball against, against especially against left handed batters and took it on himself to instead of just saying, Wow, if I can recreate what I did last second half, that'd be amazing. Now he wants to be better and that was the best fastball I've ever seen him have the other day and it's the first time out in spring training. So I think you have a you know, a really intellectually curious um Athlete with a lot to prove and uh, feeling feeling really good about himself, clicking on all cylinders. So you just want to
0: bubble wrap him and get him out there in games that count. You know, appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you're you. awesome. There he is, Theo Epstein, president of the Chicago Cubs. We will be right back.